And get your Bibles open to Luke 21, if you would. Luke chapter 21. And uh, I want to give you a word this morning as it's on the screen about what's weighing you down. What's weighing you down? If you're taking notes, uh, we had a great concert last night. We had a good turnout. There was a good spirit in here. We had a, I was able to do the altar call. We had some people get saved and come forward for salvation. And then we did a challenge. I just felt led to challenge everybody to come forward. The, 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 uh, the rapper that was here was challenging or his new album. It's called Speak Up. And so we challenged everybody, there's a lot of young people here last night, challenged everybody to come forward that would stand up for Jesus. And 98% of the people in here came forward and they were around the altar over there. There was just a powerful presence of God with all these teenagers and young people's hands raised. And uh, they were from all over. I don't even know where they're all from. Some people know him, some were ours. But there was a, a, just a good challenge of standing up for the Lord. And so tonight we've got another activity. Don't forget tonight at 6, we're going to be showing a movie called Final the Rapture. Amen. Final the Rapture. It's a good movie. Uh, I have seen it. I've previewed it. And it's, in the, it's been in the theaters all over the United States in different places. And I've seen lots and lots and lots, I mean lots of comments on the movie. And it's been nothing but good comments. And it's really an interesting movie because it comes from a different angle than most rapture movies you've seen. And that's kind of what I like about it. And so don't miss it tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to get started right at 6. So you want to be here on time. If you're one of those people that walks in late, you might miss the beginning of the movie. And have me know that's not good if you miss the beginning of the movie. Amen? And maybe you'll just carry that right in into being here for church on time. Amen? Because I don't know if you'd be late to a movie. I'm not going to chase that rabbit. Leave that alone, Pastor. What are you doing? Man, don't do that. I wasn't even trying to do that. Luke chapter 21. Don't forget two weeks from tonight, we also have our talent show. Amen. And then next week is Mission Sunday. Luke 21. Wait, can I throw, say one more thing real quick before we get in the word? The work in Ireland is doing awesome. I want to just share that. I, wanna, I believe that we're going to, unless God changes my heart, we're going to take up another offering next week for missions. We're going to send that to the home church that they can send to Ireland. Uh, how many remember was about three or four months ago? Maybe, maybe almost six, that we, uh, we were a big part of uh, sending um, money to, to the home church to start a church in Belfast, Ireland. Me and my wife were blessed to go eat lunch with them the, the day of the last conference. They wanted to go eat lunch, and we sat down. He was just asking us some questions about the mission field and stuff, and they got there, and it's only been six months, and they're, they're running like 15 or 20 people in their house already in Ireland, amen, and they're looking for a building. So God has started a work there, amen. Let's give God praise for that, amen. Awesome. And then also, last month, I think it was, we took up an offering for Mexico, and uh, they purchased that land, and I got a, we got a thank you email from Pastor Fuentes. So they have purchased that land, and they are starting to build in Mexico. Amen? Isn't it awesome to be a part of something around the world? Even though you can't go, we can send. Amen? Luke chapter 21. I hope you have your Bible. I'm going to read quite a few scriptures this morning. And I want to start in verse 7. Luke chapter 21, verse 7. And the Bible says, So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what will the sign be that these things should be about to take place? And Jesus said, Take heed that you do not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time is drawn near. Therefore, don't go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, don't be terrified, or for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. 
Then he said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Right before I continue to 13, I want to remind you that as we read the word of God, we cannot only have a Western culture mentality on what we read. Because just because sometimes we don't see persecution here in the United States, you can't forget we're not the only people on the earth. Okay, this is happening around the world. Amen. So always remember that we're, and that's why missions is so important. We are a global body of Christ. We have brothers in China and sisters in China and Iran and Russia and all these places. Just because you don't see it on the news, don't think that they're not there. But, but it will turn out, verse 13, for, for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts, not to meditate beforehand on what you'll answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. Let those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth distresses of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heavens will be shaken. Then will they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them in a parable, saying, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are budding, you will see and know for yourselves, summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. And assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, I've read all that to read the next couple of verses, which are going to be the, the key to this message this morning. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. And that'd be a good thing to underline with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And that, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36, watch 
therefore, and that was a neat lead into this morning with the song that we sang, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Father, I thank you for your written word this morning. I thank you for every man, woman, and child that is in this place this morning. I thank you that the prayers that we have sent up to you, Lord, have prepared the hearts and the minds of every person here to receive your word. Lord, do not be distracted this morning by other things, but to say, God, we're going to give you time this morning to be spoken to by your powerful word, to be touched by your Holy Spirit. And Satan, we come against all of your strategies and lies and deceptions and spirits that try to hinder the word of the living God getting deep into our hearts so that we would be doers and not hearers only of your word, that we would be listeners this morning, Father. And I thank you for this crowd of people this morning, this body of Christ. We bless your name this morning and we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to read that 34 again, but take heed. How many know that, that one day, very soon possibly, this world is going to change? The world that we know is not going to be the world that we know today. And the awesome thing about God is that he's a God who's always giving us a head start in the word. And he's telling us how to live. He's telling us how to think. He's telling us how to be blessed. He's telling us how to prosper. He's telling us how to be prepared. I'm so thankful that God is not a God who's trying to catch us off guard who's trying to catch us by surprise. He's a loving God, and he's a God who wants the best for us, and he's a God who has a plan. And we just happen to be living in the very last days of that plan. And as we get to the last days of that plan, I think now more than ever before, and I mentioned this last week in a few messages, now more than ever before, we have to be very careful to not be weighed down by the cares of this world. Very, very careful. Amen? You guys got a good picture there of, of the message? Thank you for that, Daniel. I like sometimes to, to leave something up there. I don't need to leave it the whole service, but I really want you to see visually what I'm talking about. I'm trying to get better at that and having you prepared, and I failed yesterday by getting that up on Facebook so you could see it. But uh, I want you to think this morning and understand that like never before have there been distractions, have there been uh, temptations like there are today. And we need to be careful to understand that God's plan is going to happen. It's not like he's sitting back saying, well, maybe I won't do what I said I was going to do. God is going to fulfill his word. God is going to do what he said he would do. And all we have to do is listen and obey. Amen? And so really focus this morning as we go through some scriptures on that word, take heed. That means pay attention. That means wake up. That means listen. And not just come to church and be religious. It means really focus. That's what I was talking about last week. Really focus on what God is saying. Because church, we don't have to worry or wonder or think, well, am I in the right place? Or am I doing the right thing? Or am I going to be ready? You can know you're going to be ready. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. You can know if you'll just listen to the word of God. And I want you to think about this this morning. What is weighing you down if there is anything? And I would be willing to say that most of us have something that is weighing us down. 
And as you get into this and you, we begin to talk about this, we remember very carefully how clear God is in his word that this walk we're in is personal. Very personal. I'm going to show you that in a second in, in, in something the Lord was putting in my heart. Because a lot of times, you know, like last night at the concert, I was talking to the, the people at the end, and I was saying it's very easy to serve the Lord and to be excited about God in church. It's very easy to be excited about God and serve the Lord and be excited about God when you're at a concert and the music's glorifying the Lord and or you're at church and other people around you are high-fiving you and God is good and we're in this place where everybody's a believer. But it's not that that counts in your walk. It's what you do and who you are when you're not at church, when you're not around other believers. Now, hopefully, when you're not around other believers, that's because you have no choice. Meaning at work or at school or at the supermarket. I, I, don't, I don't encourage you this morning to have a group of friends that you call my non-Christian friends that you hang out with. Not wise. And if you have that group, you need to really pray. And you need to really begin to say, God, how can I break away from the relationships that I have in my life that are not pleasing you and maybe you're not even doing what they're doing but you're hanging around with them and you're guilty by association. And I began to think about the verse and I want you to really think about this. How many have heard the verse in Matthew 7 where the Bible says not everyone who says Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. How many have heard that verse? I thought about that this morning and I believe the Spirit of God was telling me something about that and I had never looked at one word before because a lot of times I hear a word like that and as a believer and as a pastor and as a preacher and it's, it goes on to say, haven't we cast out demons in your name? Haven't we laid our hands on the sick and they recovered? And I begin to think about some of those things and I begin to say, God, I hope that's not me. Amen? Because I've done some of those things, and I begin to ask myself, Father, what is it that you could be talking about? And of course, there's many things there, but one of the things the Lord showed me here about being weighed down is that when, when, when he said that verse, he said, not everyone who says to me says, Lord, Lord, and then he goes on to say in there, he says, didn't we, pay attention to that, he says, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we lay our hands on the sick. See, there's something about a feeling that because somebody I'm around is doing something for God, I'm doing something for God. Let that sink in for a second. Because I hang out with somebody, because my family member, because somebody around me prays, well, I'm good. That household faith, that I'm saved because my household's faith, my household's saved. No, this is an individual walk. And just because you hang around people who are saved and hang around people who do things for God doesn't mean that that gives you the credit for it. And so you need to realize that when he says, Lord, Lord, not everyone, I began to think to myself, I believe there's some people in two ways, this goes two ways, people who believe, well, I, I'm, you know, I hang around with people like that, so I'm good. And so he says, we. And so it might have been like that old thing that you've never really done anything for God, but when it comes time to be associated, you're saying, hey, God, I was there. I was there every once in a while. I came to church. I showed up. Are you following me this morning? I was there, and there's a, an association they're trying to do because they want to get in. 
God says, that's not how it works. Not everybody who says. Notice he said, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord. See, it's verbal. God's not a God of verbal belief. God's a God of heart belief. And you begin to think about this as, as well. I, I, I began to think about drowning. How many people hang around with other people sometimes starts in church. I could name names if I wanted to, but I'm not that, not that mean this morning. I'm not going to be like the Bible that throws out Demas' name. Amen. I can name all kinds of names of people. All, for over the years, it'd take too long to name them all. People who've come into the church walls and in some way or another served or got involved and tried to do that little Lord, Lord thing. And then somebody else comes into the church, innocent, don't really know much about God. And one of those people that I could almost cuss about right now, amen, but I won't. Everybody get, everybody, anybody, oh, I guess none of y'all ever get angry. Goes around, begins to get that number, and hey, let's hang out. And all of a sudden, you notice somebody who was doing real good in church isn't coming to church anymore because somebody in the church weighed them down and began to hang out with them. And they began to see a double standard in their life. And they began to see, well, I can come to church and I can still do the things I used to do. Why do I need church? Y'all with me? I've seen that a thousand times. And so I think to myself, not only is it the positive side where I feel like, well, I'm hanging around with somebody who's safe, so I'm good. You can begin to be in church and be careful and somebody else could be deciding to drown and they decide to drown you too. How many know how dangerous it is to try to save somebody who's drowning? It's a fact that when you try to save somebody who's drowning, it's very, very dangerous. Sometimes you have to let that person drown because physically in real life, you can Google it and check out all the stories. They don't even really have a per correct way to save, the perfect way to save somebody from drowning because when that person begins to drown in the cares of their life, they begin to grab anything that's around them and whoever's around them, they're going to grab them and they're not going to go up. They're going to go down. And they're going to pull you down with them. And so you better be careful who you're hanging out with this morning. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. Misery loves company. And some people are like, hey, I'm going down. I'm going to take whoever I can with me. And it angers me in a spiritual way as a pastor to see not only the people who take people down, but the people who are ignorant enough to follow somebody and let them drown them at the same time. Happens way too much. Would you say Amen. So not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to be ready. And then there's people who are so weighed down with the things of this world, so involved with this world, they're, they're, they're dancing with the devil. And God has called us to be separate. God has called us to be different. He says, you are not of this world. And you've got to get, if you're going to make it, church, if you're going to be ready, if you're going to be watching and ready and praying when Jesus comes back, you're going to have to divorce yourself from this world. I'll give you another chance to say another amen. Look at somebody around you and say, divorce this world. Amen. You've got to get rid of this world, the way you used to live, the way you used to talk, the way you used to walk, the way you used to act. You've got to get rid of it. 
is if you don't, it'll weigh you down. It'll draw you down. Jesus' words here in his red letter, he's sitting here saying, listen, y'all want to know what's going to happen? Well, here it is. And all the stuff he said there wasn't too pretty. Mark 20, Matthew 24 is even more specific. He's real specific. There's coming a time. Things are going to get ugly on this earth. He says, but... You don't have to be going through that. You don't have to worry about that. He says, take heed. I says, I'm going to tell you how to not do that. Go with me to Genesis chapter 19 real quick. If you've got your Bibles, Genesis 19, all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. And I want to show you in the scriptures what we have to be very careful of. Genesis chapter 19. Jesus has a, has a, a call upon our lives and he says, look, I, I've got something waiting for you in heaven. I've got a mansion waiting for you in heaven. But if you want to get to that mansion, I need you to carry your cross. That's not too popular today. Can you say amen? That teaching's not too popular today. He says, if you want to be saved, if you want to follow me, if you want to uh, go to heaven, deny yourself, take up your cross, and what? Follow me. Now, it's easy to say a prayer and ask Jesus into your heart. That's the easy part. Carrying the cross is the hard part. And that's where lots of people get left behind. Did you know in that same Matthew 7 that it says, Lord, Lord, in that same chapter, Jesus says very clearly, it's a straight and narrow road. It's a straight and narrow road. How many want to be on that straight and narrow road this morning? <clears throat> Amen. Genesis chapter 19. You know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I bring this story up because that's where we're at today. History repeats itself. And just like in Genesis, first Jesus or God had to destroy the world because of the badness on it when he, with Noah. And he flooded the earth and he destroyed it and he actually said, I wish I would not have created man. I can't believe how bad people can be. And he floods the earth and then on the scene comes Abraham. On the scene comes Lot. And you have Sodom and Gomorrah and you have the story of where God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And I preached on this a few weeks ago. And he said, Abraham stands up and says, will you destroy it if there's 50 righteous people? And we, that's not the story I'm getting into. And he goes all the way down to five. He goes all the way down to 10. He goes all the way. He says he wouldn't destroy it if he could find just a few righteous people. And I feel like today in this world we're living in right now, I believe that we're there again. And I believe God is trying to find a few righteous people. Not a few people who say they're Christians. Not a few people who carry around a Bible. Not a few people who claim to be a part of a social club. Come on, somebody help me out. I'm talking about believers. People who walk with God and talk with God and act like God and follow the ways of Jesus, amen, and are different than this world. God is looking for a few righteous people, and here we are again. He says, I got to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The stench of sin is coming up to me so bad, I cannot stand it any longer. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of love. God is a God of grace, but he's also a consuming fire. Amen? And you better get to know both God characteristics if you're going to make it for the Lord. Today, way too much preaching is on the grace, love, and compassion. And that's all good. That grace, love, and compassion makes you love him for who he is. But he also says, I'm a God who will fulfill what I say in my word. He says, I hate sin. 
And today the sin is probably worse. You've, had it, you've heard it said. If we don't repent as a nation, if we don't change as a nation, look, we don't need to be responsible for the rest of the world. Let's be responsible for ourselves. If we don't change as a nation, he's, he, there's the old saying, he's going to have to ask Sodom and Gomorrah for forgiveness. Amen. So here we are in this story. And he comes into the city. And I want you to look at 19 with me. Verse 14, Lot went out to speak. Actually, let's look at 12. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, sons, daughters, whoever you have in the city. He says, Get them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now, just stop right there for a second. I'm not trying to, this, this is not a doom and gloom message this morning. I'm not trying to sit here and scare you. I'm just trying to let you know, if he did that before, he will do it again. How many are understanding of that? If he destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, and then he says he's going to destroy this world, and he's going to bring wrath upon this world because they've turned their back on God, he is going to do it. I'm not saying I want him to do it. I'm not saying I'm excited about the fact that he's going to do it, but he's God. He can do whatever he wants. How many have gotten to understand that? Some people are going to miss heaven because they want to try to figure God out or they want to try to change God. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He told Job, were you there when I strung the stars? Don't make God get sarcastic on you. Amen. Don't make God get sarcastic on you. Just say, God, you are God. You are the I am. You are who you say you are. And I'm just going to believe you. I'm just going to trust you. And I'm going to know that you are a good dad. Amen. And you love your children. And if I just obey what you say, I'm going to be all right. And I'm going to try to figure out what the problem with those rebellious people. Amen. If you want to try to figure out why so many people are in prison and jail today, go ahead and do it and get a headache. I'm going to try to keep my family and you out of jail, amen, and myself. Focus on that this morning. So here they are. we got to understand, this is going to happen, and biblically, it's going to happen soon. i got to say this again. It didn't matter if it was 10 years from now or even 100. I'm going to tell you, in the span of 2,000 years since Jesus was here, it's today. Can you understand that? In the span of the 2,000 years since Jesus walked this earth, whether it was another hundred years, which I know that cannot happen, I'm telling you biblically, even if it was another hundred years, even if we weren't here, we are today in that comparison. And if this is going to happen, we've got to understand that this world is going to change, and I'm, I want to be ready for his plan. I want to be line upon line, precept upon precept, understanding what God says. I don't want to be so busy, so weighed down by this world, that I miss something. Because I'm only on this earth for a very short time. And isn't it sad that the Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain this whole world but lose his soul? You know, that doesn't just mean somebody who's rich. That doesn't just mean somebody who is influential. Because sometimes when we hear a verse like that, if you don't have any money or power or, or influence, you think, oh, he's talking about somebody else. That means to me, what does it gain, profit a person to do anything on this earth without God and then lose 
my eternity in heaven. There are going to be a lot of poor people who never had anything that are going to be in hell because they turn their back on God. It doesn't have anything to do with poor or rich, influential or not, educated or non. It has to do with people who say yes, Lord, or no, Lord. Period. How many are still with me this morning? And so in here, this story, we see this is going to happen. And Lot, verse 14, went out, spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, get up and get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. I would encourage you this morning, church, to begin to tell people, hey, this world's about to change. Tell them. Have you noticed that, that things are pretty bad? And he says here, but to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Right? Underline that. See, sometimes we can read and we just whoop right over it. But to his sons-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. That's the day. That's the generation we live in right now. Jesus isn't coming back. That's not real. There's not going to be no end of the world. There's not going to be any tribulation. None of this stuff's going to happen. You know when they're going to believe? when it starts because that's how hard hard headed people are no one thought that two buildings could explode and go down no one thought those buildings were going to go down when those planes hit them but now there's a memorial there they're gone how many want to be learners before how many be how many how many want to heed to the railroad sign that's coming down that says the train's about to pass instead of sitting on the tracks amen when the morning dawned, verse 15, the angels urged Lot to say, wait, let me go back one second, because I, I like to make this personal. In that again. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Guess what? Everybody in here right now has a thought in their mind. You know where you're at with God. I don't. You know if you're playing games with God or not. I don't. You know if you take this God thing serious or not. I don't. Your parents don't. Only you do. You need to get in your mind, your mind, individual mind, not family mind, church mind, people mind, my mind. Do I believe? Do I love God? Is God Lord of my life individually? When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry. Get your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. Now, again, this is really important, church, for our teaching here and belief in the pre-tribulation rapture. He's telling them, get ready and get out. He's saving them. Are y'all following me? Is this too deep? He's telling them, I'm about to destroy this city, but he didn't destroy the righteous with them. He didn't come down and make Abraham and Lot, who have been living for the Lord, go through that destruction and see how they came out. He said, get out. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying today. He's saying, I, I, you don't exactly know when it's going to happen, but I'm going to come, and when I do, it'll be too late, so be ready. Be ready. Take heed and make sure there's nothing on you that is weighing you down. Weighing you down. Listen, when Jesus blows that trumpet, when, the, when, the, when Gabriel blows that trumpet and Jesus comes back for his church, the people who are going to go are the people who are not going to have anything weighing them down. They're going to be spiritually free. 
and they're going to be watching and waiting. It's and you and I know this. This is this doesn't really. God could pick you up no matter what, but you can just do the thought in your mind. The heavier you know you are, the harder it is to get off the ground. If you're tied to this world, it's going to be hard to be raptured. You better always, every day, be casting off every restraint, taking captive every thought, taking those, those little temptations, the little foxes that spoil the vine, and making sure nothing in your life, nothing in your walk, nothing in your mind, nothing in your personal closet is weighing you down so that when Jesus comes back, you're too heavy, you're too burdened, you're too busy to be watching. Where were we? 15, right? Y'all still with me? I know this is a tough spring break message because y'all been resting all week, I guess. Some of us. Where were we? What did I finish with? 15. So 16, watch this. And while he lingered. I'm trying to show you some things that you need to battle. While he lingered. I don't know about you. Well, I shouldn't say that because we're we are we are so hard headed. Golly, we're hard headed people. He is literally saying, Get out! The building's on fire and the walls are coming down. I'm about to blow this place up. Get out. And Abraham and Lot lingered. You know why he shows that? Because he shows again our humanity. So the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord, watch this, being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, escape for your life. Now get your pen ready. Key to the whole message. Do not Look behind or stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Underline that. Do not look behind you. That's key. Please understand that. Today in our message is do not let anything weigh you down. Do not look back to the old person you used to be. Do not look back to the old life you used to live. Do not go back to the places you used to go. Do not talk the way you used to talk. Don't have anything to do with the old you. Because if you do, you will be destroyed. This is an awesome salvation God has given us. We are too many today, church, as Christians around this world, Christians in parentheses, because listen, the bottom line is, it, when it all hits the fan, when it all dust falls and settles, the real Christians are going to not be here, and the parentheses Christians are going to be here. And you know, and I know. Listen, sometimes you got to hear it straight. You know, and I know, and I know, and you know, personally, how I am with God. I cannot say that enough. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Your own salvation. Don't be worried about other people. Now, I'm not saying you can't help other people. I'm not saying you can't pray for other people. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
God, what am I allowing in my life? What is weighing me down? Because if you're worried about trying to save all the other people around you that are drowning, they're going to drown you too. You've got to be careful. Do not look behind you. That's very important because many of you know what happened in this story. Sodom and Gomorrah begin to get destroyed by fire and brimstone. And it says in verse 25, watch this, he threw, overthrew the cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. And what happened in verse 26? But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, that's not to pick on the women. Trust me, I could use all kinds of examples where the guy looked back too. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on, on uh, Lot's wife. Don't even know her name. <laughs> She's neither you. She wasn't important. She didn't make it. Could have been a husband. Doesn't matter. This isn't picking on a woman. What it's picking on is that they were trying to get out. And she loved the world too much. She loved her sin too much. Are you following me? How do I know she sinned? How do I know? Because she wasn't really lit. Just because she was with a lot. Just because she was married to him. Just because your parents or your husband or your wife or your aunt or your uncle is saved. Does not mean your walk with God is pleasing. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. Abraham might not or lot might not even known. What his wife was doing. He, she might have put on a good act. I, he might have, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us if he was surprised or not. All we know is he went on. And this is the, the part you've got to understand. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my parents. I love my friends. I love you. But I am not going to hell over any of you. I'm not going to hell over anybody else. I'm going to heaven. I choose this day whom I serve. I'm going to live for the Lord. If my mom and my dad and my wife and my daughters and you and somebody else turns back, I'm not turning back. And that's the attitude you need to have this morning. You need to say, I'm not going back. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to mess around with sin. I'm going to go forward. Do not look behind you. And then Jesus says this. And I'll close up. Jesus says this in Luke 9. If you want to look there. Jesus says it. Same thing. Remember, Old Testament, New Testament, hand in hand. It's funny how some people today, sadly, either believe in one or the other. Got to have them both. They're amazing. Amazing how they work together. Luke 9. The cost of discipleship. How many have realized, this is another sad thing today. The preaching today around the world is cheap. It's cheap. Doesn't cost you anything. Give God 45 minutes of your week and you're good. You were there. You showed up. Telling you those are the people who live for God on Sunday. Only. 
but act different on Monday and Thursday and Friday who are going to be saying, Lord, Lord, I went to church every week. I did this and I did that. And I, but there was not a personal relationship with Jesus. And the weights of the world and the cares of this life and things were way more important than God. Don't, come on, don't get quiet on me. I'm not talking to anybody in here, amen. I pray. But there is a cost. My Bible says the cost of discipleship. If Jesus, so, so we say, well, you know, we can't add anything to what Jesus did and amen. But don't cheapen it either. No, you can't add or do anything to be saved or deserve it. But understand what an amazing gift it is. And cherish it. And walk in it. And take care of it. And love it. And treat it as a precious gift that it is. He says, it's a cost. 57, he says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that some said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Notice, Lord, I said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Talk is cheap. And Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have air or nests in the air, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his field. He says, follow me. Oh, but Lord, wait, I need to go and bury my father. That's a wait. It's a wait. It's an excuse. And another said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go, but let me go first and say bye-bye to my friends in my house. Jesus said, no one, underline that, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You cannot, you know what that means? You cannot serve two masters. You can't. You can try, but you're not going to make it. You cannot do two things at once. You cannot serve God and serve the world. You cannot live for God and live for the world. You can't have 50-50. It doesn't work. It's one or the other. It's all in or all out. I'm not talking about a sin you do every once in a while. I'm not talking about a mistake you make as a human being. I'm talking about your walk. I'm talking about your love. I'm talking about your passion. I'm talking about being sold out to God. Sold out. That means if God asks me for something, it's his anyways, you can have it. There's no reserves. There's no hold back. Anything God asks me to do, I'll do it. Anything. Now, I'm not saying it'd be easy, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, yes, Lord. Can I give you something else as we close? This is very important. I want you to stop and focus for a second. And everything I've just said, this is really important. I don't know what the, what the things are that are weighing you down. I don't know what the things are that are coming to your spirit as God speaks his word. And the word goes 50 different directions and tells us, the, okay, that's something, that's, that's a weight. Get rid of that weight. If you were on a boat right now, if you were on a boat right now and it was sinking and you had to get rid of some stuff to survive, you'd have to begin to say, what can I throw out? What is weighing me down? It's the same thing. You, we're in a place right now where the world is trying to throw things on us, trying to put a burden on us all the time so that we'll be drowned in the world and we'll be too busy for God. And when that thing's there, you need to throw it out, the boat. Get rid of it. Get that out. It says, no one having put, go to 1 John, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, real quick. I'm going to give you two more verses. 
But as you're getting there, remember Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now this is important. This is really important. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Because I, 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 I want you to catch something you might not have caught. As you're going to Hebrews 12, we'll read that in a second. But I want you to focus on something. In this story, Jesus is... He gives some examples. He says that a man comes to him and says, I'll follow you wherever you'll go. And he says, come on. And then he says, wait, I got to go. Wait. Hold on. That means that there was a timeout. Hold on, God. I'll be right back. Do you realize that when Jesus blows that trumpet, there'll be no timeout? There'll be no wait? I'll be back. It's going to happen. And however you are and wherever you are and however your walk is, is what it is. That's why the return is imminent. Why do you think God wanted it to be imminent? Because he wanted us to be ready. Because as people, we are procrastinators. And we are people who are selfish. And no, hey, don't feel bad. It's, it's not our fault. It's, just, it's how we are. And we're people that put things off. And we're people that don't want to do anything till the end. And we're people that don't like to learn till we've, been, till we've gone through something bad. And God says, hey, the life I want you to live is a life that's every day as if it's your last. Not the attitude that I, I gave it to you on Sunday, God, and I'll see you next Sunday to give it to you again. And whatever happens in between, you know, it's between me and you. That's not what it means. Because he says here, Go bury the dead. Let the dead bury the dead. He's basically saying, let the people who aren't sold out be not sold out. But let those who are sold out come now. Don't look back at the world. Because this is what I noticed when I was reading this again. No, let me go bury. No, let me go do this. No, let me go. Time out. What happens is we got to understand that those things right there, going and burying the dead, saying bye to his friends, those are, watch this, business as usual things. Life is you, normal life. How many would admit right now we're in normal life mode? It, we just work, we go to school, we just do our thing. Weather changes and, and, and we're just going through life. I want you to understand something really, really, really clearly this morning. When the tribulation starts, business and life as usual will be no more. No more. Are you, are you following that? This is very important. Because Jesus said, don't look back. Don't be so carried away by the hobbies, by the things, by the... Are you following me? When the tribulation starts, nobody's going to be bothered by hobbies anymore. Nobody's going to be weighed down by smartphones anymore. Nobody's going to be too busy anymore. Because when the tribulation starts, it's going to be survival. Not life as usual. Because the Bible says in Revelations that there's going to come a day in the tribulation where a day's wages will buy a loaf of bread. I don't think anybody's going to be going to the sporting events. I don't think the race racetrack's going to be going. I don't think uh, people are going to be going and fishing unless it's for food. But that'll be tough too because the water will be polluted. I think I lost y'all somewhere. It ain't going to be business as usual. See, this is talking about before the tragedy. 
before it happens, before it gets bad. It will not any longer be anything weighing down. The people in the tribulation that are going to make it through are going to be living in daily fear. Most of us don't wake up this mor- didn't wake up this morning worried about things that were super, super scary. When the tribulation starts, every day will be scary. Lawlessness will abound. Craziness will be on the earth. We don't have to go through that. We need to do today, get rid of anything that's weighing us down. And actually for time, I'm not even going to read, I'm not going to read Hebrews 12. I might get into that later. But it, it says laying aside every weight. It's just reaffirming. Laying aside every weight. Everything. Do the math this morning. Are the things you do, are the things you have in your life that could be a God, an idol, are they so important that it'll be willing, it'd be worth losing being ready when Jesus comes back? Musicians, you can come this morning. The key this morning is lordship. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Not, yes, yes, Lord. Is he Lord? Does he have complete control of your life this morning? 100%. 1 John 2, if you want to write it down, don't look at it for time, I'll read it. It says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. So what's the key, church? What's the key? The key is watch, therefore, and pray. Always, it says, that you may be counted worthy to escape those things that happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, to escape those things that happened when Noah or God destroyed the world through Noah, to escape those things that are coming to this world. Oh, stop talking about that, please. I'm so tired of hearing about it. Oh, you're not going to be tired about hearing about it when you're up in heaven instead of here. Amen. Because it's happening. It's going to happen. Don't do the out of sight, out of mind thing. If I just don't think about it, it's not going to happen. Well, you're going to wake up to a reality one day. You're going to wish you'd paid attention. That's all I can say. There's going to be a whole bunch of people who would have wished they'd laid aside some weights and not let anything weigh down. He says, take heed, lest the cares of this life weigh you down. Now he mentioned some sins there, carousing, and that's the kind of stuff we see sometimes where people are trying to play both worlds and be a Christian one day, and that's one thing. But he also says, lay down the cares You can be at a place of peace in your spirit. You can be at a place where as you pray and you're open and you're honest and God at that moment is is saying, not not that you're good because none of us are good, but he's saying you're you're on the right path. You're walking with me. 
and your heart is ready to stop anything I ask you to stop, to go anywhere I ask you to go, it's a willingness and a readiness. It's not a perfection because we're not perfect. We're perfected in Jesus. But our walk is that readiness. Jesus has my heart. The world doesn't. Jesus is my Lord. The world's not. Jesus is my everything. The world's not. That's why we can get to a place in our spirit where we can say, Lord, even so come, Lord Jesus. I was at the gym the other day being done playing and leaving. And this guy stopped me that I had been playing with. He was in the weight room. He just stopped me and, and said, hey. And I said hi to him. We were on the same team. And he, he said uh, something about us playing and stuff. And then, and then I, he said, what do you do? And, I, and, and he, he gave me an awesome, I wasn't going to say this, but I have, to, I have to say this to lead in. He, he, he gave me an awesome compliment. He said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And not very many people ask me what I do. And I don't go out telling everybody. He said, I'm a, I said, I'm a pastor. And he says, I should have known. He said, there's, there's something different about you. I could just notice the way you carry yourself. And I'm like, on the basketball court? I mean, that's pretty powerful. What a compliment. I thank God for that. But, I, but I, 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 he said, what do you do? And I said that. He said that. And then I said, he goes, yeah, man. He says, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer too. And he goes, I don't know if I'm reading these scriptures right or wrong, but it just seems like we're in the last days. You can tell he wasn't someone who knew tons about the Bible. And I just, I just began to share with him that, you know what? Jesus will come back any day. You just got to be ready and not love this world. And, 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 and give him your heart and just be willing and tell people about him. You can have a peace this morning. You don't have to worry. These, these kind of messages don't have to scare you. This is I didn't have any intentions of scaring you this morning. I'm not trying to scare you. Trust me, if I wanted to scare you, it would be in Revelations. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to get you to understand you got to get rid of, get off any weights that are holding you down not only from being ready for Jesus' return, but for doing something for him before he comes back. From being a servant that's, that's not weighed down by this world that says, if God, if God told you today, church, someone in here, hey, I want you to quit your job and I want you to move to another country to be a missionary, that you'd be at a place that you'd say, I'll go. I'll do it. Maybe you've never heard him say, what if you came to this altar this morning? He said, I want you to quit your job. And move to another country. I'm not saying he's going to do that. But what if he did? What if Abraham? What if he was asking you to sacrifice your Isaac this morning? Now he might not do that on big stuff. But how many know he asks us little stuff all the time? Give that back to me. Come on, you're trying to trying to get to, you, you. You're too much in love with that. Too much. You're too worried about that. You spending too much time on that. Come here. Come hang out with me. That's not gonna. It's not gonna matter when it's all said and done. Amen. You know what you need to deal with. We all know. We all in different places here. What's weighing you down, Father?